I want us to turn our attention to the word. I believe that the Lord has given me a word for this evening, for this last day of the year, for this eve of a new year. I'd like for you to open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And then we are going to look at a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Father, as we open your word, your word that is spirit and life, your word that gives direction, your word that reveals your will, your word that prepares us for your return, we pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit will say to us this evening. We pray that you would speak to our hearts in a way that will cause your word to shape us and form us more consistently, more faithfully to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 17. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 9 and 10. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. There are a number of things that we should highlight as we look at these verses of Scripture. The first, of course, would be what the Apostle Paul says, by the grace God has given me. And we must always remember that God is at work in us and through us according to his grace. Our own merits, our own abilities, our own sense of sufficiency. 
is not what accomplishes God's purposes in us. It is his grace. The phrase, but each one should build with care, needs to be underlined. In verse 13, their work will be shown for what it is. The quality of each person's work. I have circled the word test and the word reward. And the word that is capitalized, day. That word appears often in scripture and appears in that form. Referring to the end of time, referring to an appointed day that the Lord has on his calendar and that you and I need to have on our calendars as well. From 2 Corinthians chapter 5, our goal is to please him. I've also underlined all stand before Christ to be judged. And the phrase, we will receive whatever we deserve. And then in verse 11, I have underlined the phrase, we work hard to persuade others. I've entitled this study, The Day of Assessment. My dad had a handmade sign, handmade, hand-lettered, outside the door of his house. You couldn't miss it as you came to the door as you entered his house. And it said this, there will be a final exam. Will you be prepared? My dad lived with that kind of awareness. See had a bit of a poet in him. And he wrote a poem on my 59th birthday. It was just a month before he would go to be with the Lord. But in that poem that he wrote about his son, who was turning 59, he also inserted that reminder that there will be a day when we stand before the Lord to give an account. And we must be ready for that day. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Corinth is an important city in the Roman Empire. An important city in the area of Greece. And like any important city in the Roman Empire, Greece was filled with magnificent structures, especially temples. Corinth was a Greek city and therefore had both influences of Greek culture and Roman power. Both the Greeks and the Romans worshipped a plethora of gods and goddesses. 
and built magnificent structures to honor each one on sites that were both strategic and highly visible. At the tops of hills, or among the nations that they conquered, in places that were important to those people. For example, after the temple was destroyed by the Roman army under the leadership of Titus in AD 70, a subsequent Roman emperor built a temple to Apollo on the site of where the previous Jewish temple had been established. A significant and strategic location, a boasting, if you will, that my God is greater than your God. Roman emperors built elaborate palaces throughout the empire and erected monuments to immortalize themselves, trying to outdo their predecessors. Walking through Corinth would be like walking through Washington, D.C. if the Jefferson Monument and the Lincoln Memorial were duplicated over and over on corner after corner. Everywhere you would look, you would see these extraordinary marble buildings. 2,000 years later, many of them still remain standing in one form or another, like the Acropolis in Athens and a temple to Apollo in Corinth. On the night of July 18th, 64 AD, a fire began in Rome. This in itself was not unusual. There have been numerous fires in Rome. But this one which began in a merchant's shop located in a slum district south of the legendary Palatine Hill quickly spread through the dry wooden structures that were home to more than a million in that part of the city. At that time, there were about two million people in Rome. For over six days, that fire raged out of control. It consumed everything in its path that was combustible, consumable. And when it finally died out, 71% of the city had been destroyed. In the aftermath of the fire, the Roman Emperor Nero blamed the Christians for the fire. He ordered the execution of hundreds, including the Apostle Paul, who earlier had written to Timothy in his last letter, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Buildings, fire, judgment, and award. All of these aspects come together in this passage that the Apostle Paul has written to the Christians in Corinth. One thing that you and I need to understand is that everyone is building something. Whether we realize it or not, whether we are intentional or not, everyone is building something. The question is, what am I building? Much of the teaching of Jesus dealt with an inherent human tendency to be preoccupied with the here and now aspect of our lives. And that preoccupation is always to the neglect of more important eternal concerns. To emphasize this, Jesus told the story of a wealthy man who had a successful business and was planning for expansion while looking forward to the enjoyment and leisure that his success had achieved for him. Such a person would be admired, esteemed in our culture. We as Christians might even want to emulate him and secretly wish that we were that successful. While probably not admitting that we were jealous. But Jesus did not affirm him for his hard work and his success. Jesus said, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And then as a warning to us, Jesus said, This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Everyone is building something. And everyone is storing up something. The investment of our lives, our time, our focus, our priorities. Where is it going? Into what sort of building are we investing? So the question that you and I need to ask ourselves as we look at this passage, as we consider what the Apostle Paul has said, what are you building and what will it be worth on the day of assessment? There is a second question that we need to ask ourselves. What is the quality of my building? What is the quality of the materials that I am using in my building? The Apostle Paul said, 
Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on that judgment day, he continued, a fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. In that fire that swept through Rome, quite obviously, the things that were built of wood were consumed. Even many masonry buildings were consumed. The mortar would weaken under the intensity of the heat. The stones would separate. Buildings would collapse. But those that were built of marble withstood the test of the fire. When the Apostle Paul uses the word jewels, it's not a reference to jewels as you would and I would think of, but it's a reference to valuable stonework, like marble. And a structure built of such materials could withstand the heat and the fire. Jesus urged us not to store up treasures on earth, but in heaven. So let's ask ourselves a few questions at this point. What am I doing that adds value to my earthly life? If we ask that question, we find that we are doing quite a bit. In fact, the majority of our efforts, the investment of our time, our energy, goes to adding value to our earthly existence. But what am I doing that has eternal value in God's assessment? What am I doing that shows I am practicing the way of Christ? What am I doing that proves obedience to Christ's requirements for his followers? What will burn? What will endure? Missionary C.T. Studd, who ministered in China, in India, and his final years in the Belgian Congo, where he died, stated these words, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. That is what the Apostle Paul wants the Corinthians to understand and what the Holy Spirit wants you and I to understand. Each of us is building something. But what are the materials that we're using? What are the materials that we are using? What are we storing up? What is going into the building? Will it last? Will it count? In God's assessment. The starting point of every building is the foundation. 
And the quality of the foundation determines the integrity and the durability of the structure. If the foundation is solid, the rest of the building will stand strong. But if the foundation is faulty, it will compromise the, the structure, no matter how nice it looks, how inviting it might be. This was the emphasis of Jesus when he told the story at the end of his Sermon on the Mount about two builders. The foolish builder who built his dream house at the beach so that he could enjoy seaside life. And the other builder whom Jesus called wise who built further inland so that he could utilize the unseen rock underground for his foundation. Storms battered both houses. The rain fell, the, storm, the streams rose. And when that happened, the lack of a solid foundation caused the collapse of the seaside house. While Jesus said, the house that had its foundation on the rock stood firm. A wise builder, Jesus said, is the person who, quote, hears my words and puts them into practice. Jesus must be our foundation. We must build according to the blueprint of God's word. Because code violations have catastrophic results. There is no other foundation, the Apostle Paul said. Jesus stated some things concerning his life and his work that you and I need to remember and use as measures for our own selves. He said in John chapter 4, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Is that your food? Is that the direction of your life? In John chapter 5, Jesus said, For the very work that the Father has given me to finish, and which I am doing, testifies that the Father has sent me. Does the work that you are doing or the work that I am doing testify that the Father has sent us? In John chapter 6, Jesus said, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has set his seal of approval. Are we working and building like Jesus in such a way that the Father would set his seal of approval on our work? Just as a building inspector comes, looks at the progress at certain points, and then signs off. It's okay to proceed because everything is being done according to code. Would God in the same way inspect our work 
our efforts in life, the structure that we are building, and sign off on it? In John chapter 14, Jesus said, It is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Again, would God be able to say, as he looks at our lives, as he looks at our work, yes, that person is yielded to me. And I am able to work in them and through them all that I desire. If I build anything that does not reflect the words, character, and will of Christ, in the end, it will be disastrous. There is a day of assessment, the Apostle Paul told the Corinthians. He reminded them of that day in his second letter. A day of appointed judgment. A designated time when every Christian will give an account for all that he or she has done as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now let me give you just a few clarifications here. This will not be a judgment to determine whether or not you or I get into heaven. This will be a judgment of the lives that we have lived as followers of Jesus Christ. A judgment of what we have done. It will not be an exposure of our sins before everyone who is there. We have been justified just as if we have never sinned. God has buried those sins in the sea of his forgetfulness. He is not going to bring up that record of wrongs and replay it for all to see. Those have been the portrayals that some have made concerning this day. It is a day of judgment. What kind of life did we live for Christ? What did we do for him? Did we do his will? Did we serve him faithfully? Did we execute everything that he entrusted to us? What kind of motives? Did we do it with all of our heart? Did we do everything to please him and not for personal gain or the affirmation of others? In Revelation 22, the Bible closes with these words spoken by Jesus. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. On the day of assessment, what will be your worth? The assessed value of your life will depend on what you have done as a follower of Christ. Let me emphasize that for both you and me again. The assessed value of our lives when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ will depend on what you and I have done as a follower of Jesus Christ. Again, Jesus speaks to these things. At the end of his public ministry, just a few days before his death, Jesus ended his time of teaching 
with two parables to illustrate these truths about which we are speaking. One was the parable of the talents, and the other was his description of the separation of the sheep and the goats. You remember the story of the talents. A wealthy man was getting ready to go on a long journey. He entrusted his assets to three of his servants so that they would put his assets to use and increase his wealth. The one to whom five was entrusted invested well, worked hard at it, and doubled what had been entrusted to him. The second one was entrusted to, and likewise he doubled. But the third one, who was entrusted one, didn't do anything at all. He was afraid of losing it, and he was also lazy. So he went and he buried it. And on the day of accounting, the one who had five presented his ten, the one who had two presented what he had doubled, and the final one brought one. Master, I didn't lose it. I'm giving you back exactly what you have given me. Jesus commended the other two and said because of what they had done, they had proved themselves to be faithful, to be wise, and worthy of being entrusted with more. But to the one who hadn't done anything, Jesus called him wicked, a wicked servant. And in what may seem to be a gesture of injustice from a human perspective, Jesus instructed his servants to take that one from the man and to give it to the other one who had ten. And he said these words, For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. You see, that man with one had proved himself to be an unworthy servant. And the master called him as such, a worthless and wicked servant. If you and I prove ourselves to be faithful, God will entrust more. But if we don't prove ourselves to be faithful, he will take what was entrusted to us and give it to someone who is faithful. Every one of us, according to this parable, have been entrusted with a task to complete for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will give an account and be rewarded accordingly. In the second parable, he described how he, notice that he moves from telling about a hypothetical owner to speaking of himself. When the Son of Man comes with his angels and sits upon his throne in glory, he will assess what each person has done according to whether or not it has personal value to him. Take note of this. Jesus will assess 
everything that we have done according to whether or not it has personal value to him. You and I need to take notice of this. Because there are so many things that we do because it has value to us. It has value to someone else. It meets another person's expectations. Or it satisfies us in some way. But Jesus will assess everything that we have done on the basis of whether or not it has personal value to him. Look at his words. As he says to one group, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And then he will speak to the other group and say, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. The basis will be whether or not it has personal value to the one who is sitting on the throne and making the assessment. Repeatedly throughout Scripture, we are urged to do good works. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Our friend just returned from traveling to two Muslim countries. In the second Muslim country to which she traveled, she met a group of expats from Southeast Asia who are living there in this Muslim country and who are working there. It's the case with many Muslim countries. Much of the work is done by people of a different nationality who have come there because of the jobs. And here was a group of foreigners, Christian expats in this Muslim country. And they had established a ministry. Now in the Muslim culture, to have a disabled child is shameful. Such children are not treasured, loved, cared for. And so these foreigners established a ministry to disabled Muslim children. The result was that the government of that country took notice of what they were doing and began to provide resources, a place to do this ministry, other help and resources to help them accomplish their work. They are working with the nationals of that country and teaching the parents how to care for their disabled children. They are doing so in the name of Jesus Christ. They are doing what Jesus said. Let your light shine in such a way that people see your good deeds and glorify God. Let me ask you, what are we doing? What are we doing in this community 
What are we doing as expats in this country? What are we doing that causes people to take notice and to affirm, even though they may not agree with us, may not believe the same as we do? Peter emphasized this, live such good lives before the pagans that even though they do not acknowledge God, they have to acknowledge what you are doing as God's follower. The Apostle Paul emphasized to the Corinthians toward the end of his first letter, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For you know that your labor is not in vain. While emphasizing to the Galatians that we will reap what we sow, he then said, as application, that you and I should endeavor to do good to all people, especially those to the household of faith. To the Ephesians, he said, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God planned in advance for us to do. He wrote to Timothy and said, Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. The writer to Hebrews said, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. James took much of his letter to emphasize this truth. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds, faith without deeds is dead. Even Jesus himself emphasized this as he wrote to the church at Sardis. Wake up! Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in my sight. Scripture urges us to do good, to be plentiful in good deeds, to build a house, to build a structure of good works that are done in the name of Jesus. And it is that very thing that Jesus said he will be assessing when we stand before him. It matters what we do today. For it will count for all of eternity. The rewards, the Bible tells us, will be enormous, beyond imagination. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard. It has not entered into the imagination of man the things that God has prepared for his people. If we are faithful, the rewards will be beyond imagination. The losses will be incalculable and irremediable. No second chances to go back and redo it all over. It matters what we do today. Paul said, if we build with things that are temporary, combustible, and cannot stand the assessment they will all be burned up. The builder himself will escape, but it will be narrow as one escaping through the flames. 
And so he wrote in his second letter and said, we make it our goal to please the Lord. We make it our goal to please the Lord. There is no worthy resolution, no more worthy goal that you and I could set for this year than a goal to please the Lord in light of his word and what we have shared this evening. A goal to be a community, a faithful church, because he will not judge just individuals, he will judge churches. What quality of building materials are you bringing to this community of believers, to Moravia Assembly of God? Are you bringing gold and silver? Or are you bringing wood, hay, straw? Let's make it our goal to please the Lord today so that we will hear him say in eternity, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that speaks with such clarity. Your word that is infused with your grace and is able to work in us and work through us so that we can accomplish your will. Lord, forgive us for taking our eyes off of your purposes. Forgive us for investing in a better life for ourselves while not thinking at all about the lack of investment that we are making in what really counts. Thank you for your word that speaks to us tonight and encourages us as we go into this new year to make certain that we are building that which will please you and which you will affirm. Thank you for your word that tells us what to do, how to do it. We want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so we pray this evening, on the eve of this new year, that you would help us to be wise builders. We pray that you would help us as a church to build well, to build that which has personal value to you and that which will cause people to glorify and honor you. We don't want to be slothful, lazy, preoccupied, unavailable servants. We want to be good and faithful servants. We pray for your grace and the enablement of your spirit. Thank you for your word that says that you are able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to your power at work within us. Lord, may we say to you, here I am. Like Mary, I am surrendered to you. I am your servant by the power of the Holy Spirit. May it be according to the Lord's word. 
So, Father, we yield ourselves to you. We pray that you will be honored and you will be glorified. And that our lives will have great value to your kingdom and to your name in this new year. Thank you again for your faithfulness to us throughout 2023. Thank you for your grace, your promises, and your faithfulness that we carry with us into 2024. Thank you for one another, for the encouragement, the support, the community, the body of Christ that you have given us in one another. Help us to treasure one another, encourage one another, spur one another on to love and good deeds, and to help each other to fulfill the purposes that you have for us that will bring honor and glory to your name. Again, Father, I thank you for each one who was here this evening. I pray your richest blessing upon each one. We commit ourselves to you, your faithfulness and goodness, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.